This is episode 210 of the Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts podcast. This episode is titled Christmas Music, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts, the mostly self-explanatory show about stuff we like. I'm your host, Jennifer Crittenden. This show is a reboot of Dear Discreet Guide, which ended with 202 episodes at the end of year 2020. So thank you for joining us in the new show. I'm excited to see where this new adventure will take us. All right, we're back, boys and girls, on a very rainy day in San Diego. We've got the fire burning, and we've got Bill on the line, and I've got a cup of tea, and we're here to talk today about Christmas music. And I have my notepad nearby because I can't wait to hear what Bill has come up with for Christmas music. We'll see. <laughs> So I noticed today that American songwriter uh, put out a tweet saying that they had uh, were recommending 15 more Christmas albums just this year. Right. So of all the ones that have been published, they've picked out 15 to recommend. And I just am always amazed how Christmas music is one of those genres that just can't stop giving. It seems like. And so I was curious what you thought about why there's such an appetite for Christmas music. Why do we always have more and more albums coming out every year? Well, I kind of think it's a easy way for somebody to get an album out and get some airplay, get, mm. get their name out there again if they don't have something that they're currently working on or they've had a bit of a slump because um, there's always somebody that's going to get the, the Christmas album in some form or another, whether it's through a digital means or by the album or the C or the CD. Um, there's always somebody who's a fan of that artist that'll buy the album and it'll, it'll get played at least for a month or two before it gets put away till next year. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about that. And we do see this kind of proliferation of albums that uh, honestly aren't that particularly interesting. I see a lot coming out of the country artists, for example, where it almost seems like a rite of passage that at some point in their career, they put out a Christmas album. They're not particularly innovative or different or creative, but certainly fans of that particular artist, you know, are likely to pick up that Christmas album also, or a certain percentage of them will. So yeah, that makes sense. And, and on these records, I don't know if there's usually one or two songs that are new, but they're never really achieve the same success as something that's familiar when it comes to Christmas music. That brings me to my next point. Yes. Is when you look at the best selling Christmas albums of all time, they are in such a, at such a stratospheric level that probably, you know, no one is going to touch that 
unless something really different happens with the music industry. So I was looking, so according to the statistics that they try and keep <laughs> about selling, yeah, it's hard to get these statistics now, but the sources are still saying that Elvis's Christmas album is still the best selling Christmas album of all time. And he sold 10 million copies, which actually, when you think about it, is not that much, right? I mean, we were just talking about the monkeys seven, selling 75 million. So yeah, I mean, even among these that are in the stratosphere, they really haven't sold that many copies. Yeah, I think I think the ones that are the older ones that kind of got the whole ball rolling, like the Bing Crosby Christmas album, which I think was number one for years and years. Yeah, there's certain ones that kind of started the ball rolling and then people kind of joined in as they went along because they saw that, wow, this one's still selling. Mm -hmm. Every year it sells again. So now there's such a surplus. Yeah, right. That's the thing, right? There's so many. So the market, the Christmas market is much more segmented than it used to be. And then if you look down the list, you've kind of, so Nat King Cole is up there. No surprise, right? I definitely associate him with Christmas music. And then they're kind of all the usual suspects that you would expect would have really high selling Christmas albums. Kenny G, Mariah Carey, of course, uh, Celine Dion. Barbara Streisand, of course, uh, Johnny Mathis, and then Mannheim Steamroller. Okay, that surprised me, but maybe it shouldn't have. I was just like, really? Okay. <laughs> well, I, th I think for background music, though, I mean, something that's instrumental, which I mm -hmm. believe that's all they are. Um, that's that you can you can play that almost anywhere during dinner or whatever, and, and people aren't going to be as distracted by it. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, this phenomenon of the pentatonics, the a cappella group, definitely singing is a big part of Christmas music. And an a cappella group would have really interesting, I'm sure, interpretations of so many different kinds of old traditional songs, but also new things, too. And they actually are on now their fifth Christmas album. So obviously, Wow. Either they like making Christmas music or people like buying their Christmas music. But I've heard a few. It's lovely. It's, you know, it's really nice. Well done. I think harmonies really do sell Christmas music. Yeah. If you have a good harmony and melody, that, that really is what people are looking for for Christmas. I mean, for the words people, I mean, I, I think there are some songs that people do that are very clever when it comes to the, the, the actual writing of the words. But I think melody is what most people tend to gravitate to for Christmas. Yeah. And so I think you and I talked the other day about Nora Jones this year has a Christmas album called Christmas Calling. And uh, I did listen to a little bit, bit of that this morning. She does have a very nice song called I Dream of Christmas that features a bunch of Santa Clauses on bikes. <laughs> so, of course, I like that one a lot. You know, and uh, I think that's something about this genre, too, is it does allow you some, there's room for creativity, right? And you can do kind of a new riff on an old theme. And I just think of Nora Jones as being a person that people probably really like her Christmas album, just the style of music that she has. People who like that style will enjoy that album a lot. I was listening to a variety of different Christmas songs as I was preparing for this episode. And as you say, you know, the lyrics 
can be very important. The melody can be important, but I, I was struck by sometimes, I don't know, I think because of, there can be a lot of cliches in this genre. And so we just have to be a little careful. There was one song that started out, its opening lyric was, the first thing that hit me was smoke from the chimney. <laughs> it wasn't intended to be a funny song, but it was like, hmm, yeah, I don't know. That, that, that doesn't quite work. So yeah, like all things that that requires some creativity, some of it's to my taste and some of it not so much. Yeah, I'm always very surprised when somebody can come up with a new Christmas song that people really, really favor and want to play it every year because I don't hear very many that seem to come like new songs, songs written in the, say, in the last 10 or 20 years even. It seems like it's always the old favorites that people always go back to. That's interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. There is a lot of humor in Christmas songs and, you know, kind of novelty songs, which we can talk about. And I love those, right? They're funny. I mean, I think a lot of things are just funny about Christmas, right? The whole Santa Claus thing, Rudolph. I mean, there are just a lot of things that are funny and ridiculous. Uh, but you're right. I'm not sure that we end up going back to those. So I do have an album called Bummed Out Christmas that has this funny song in it, Christmas in Jail. And then uh, Tom Lehrer has a Christmas song, which is quite funny. And then I noticed Jimmy Fallon has one out with Ariana Grande called Masked Christmas. And it's kind of funny and kind of sad, right? It's like Christmas during COVID. Well, I, I just um, pulled up the top 10 novelty and parody Christmas songs. <laughs> number one, well, if, according to this, it's number one, but Snoopy's Christmas mm. by the Royal Guardsmen. Snoopy's back fighting the Red Baron again. And it's a Christmas theme this time, as opposed to the old, old one that he had. They had. All I want for Christmas, two front teeth. And oh yeah, like, sure, of course. Mike How can I forget is, that? Uh-huh. Mike Jones is number two, and that's been done by a few different people. Yeah. Here's here's a little more obscure one. Nothing for Christmas by Barry Gordon, hmm. and Jingle Bells by the Singing Dogs. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that sounds horrible. <laughs> the Chipmunks, the Chipmunk song. Christmas, don't be late. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Mm-hmm. That's a more more current one. Uh, Elmo and Patsy, 1970. This one I don't think I've ever heard. Number seven, Leroy the Redneck Reindeer. Oh, great! By, by, by Joe Diffie. Oh, great! <laughs> Music for everybody. So I guess a certain percentage of people want to hear the uh, the country sounds of uh, of the Redneck Reindeer. I guess. All right. Uh, the, tw- the 12 Days of Christmas, the Bob and Doug McKenzie, McKenzie Brothers. A couple more here. Do- Dominic the Donkey by Lou Monte, which I'll think another obscure one. Mm-hmm. Santa and the Satellite. So by B- Buckman and Goodman, which is a, co- a comedy team back from the 50s. So um, they-, they were kind of pulling some really obscure ones there. But those are the top 10 novelty songs, according to this person. Of course, everyone's going to have their own top 10 favorite. but. Yeah, that's it's, funny. Well, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Yeah, that's pretty classic. I think we've all heard that one. Um, and, and I know there's all kinds of kind of sad, depressing songs that people just do just to get the reaction, kind mm-hmm. of reaction songs. So they're Christmassy themed where Santa's doing inappropriate things with the wives and all kinds of things. There's a lot of those type of songs out there. Uh-huh. Um, so it just depends what you're looking for. There's a lot of novelty in Christmas. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Yeah, for sure. And you and I talked about this briefly the other day too, that Christmas can actually be a pretty depressing time for people. And, you know, so I want to be a little sensitive about that during this episode. Um, Do you have any suggestions for people about coping with Christmas music when they're not feeling very Christmassy? I think this, this, the traditional stuff really does kind of bring you up because mm. you, it's not, you don't have to, you don't have to think about the words or anything because it, it, you, you know, them. it's, it's been ingrained into your head since you were probably four. And if someone starts singing jingle bells or um, deck the halls, I don't know, those kind of things kind of bring you back to a point where maybe, well, brings you back to a point where maybe you were happier then again maybe you weren't so i don't know i, I think there's some songs that there's some music that just isn't going to work for anybody yeah um if they had a really uh bad childhood growing up and and christmas was one of the worst times for them but um but for everyone else i think if you're having a, a depressing christmas because you're by yourself you don't have family around or it's just not a good time i think the, the basic traditional stuff really does bring you up a little bit yeah, that's a thought I was thinking about because there definitely are times when I do find Christmas music very irritating. I mean, you know my story. We didn't have Christmas when I was growing up and Christmas music was not <laughs> was not played in my house. I think the house would have exploded if we'd played any Christmas <laughs> music. And so it's funny because now as an adult, I've actually collected a lot of Christmas music and and really enjoy it and and pay a lot of attention to it. But there are times when I find Christmas music quite irritating. And I was thinking about why. Sometimes it's just overplayed, you know, um, but sometimes I think there are particular orchestrations or things that they've done with the song that are irritating, especially in certain contexts. So sometimes when it has, you know, the orchestration is just too much, right? Or it's kind of too loud or it's inappropriate for the context, right? You're actually trying to have a conversation and this dreadful, you know, is in your ear. <laughs> I think sometimes they use too many horns in it. So that can get kind of irritating or sometimes just jingle bells can just be like, you know, well, they can, they can ring, bells. Oh, oh, over ring those bells sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We um, need more cowbell instead <laughs> of jingle bells. And then sometimes I think people treat Christmas music as an opportunity to do like a singing contest, you know, where just the vocals are just so overdone, right? Where you have to show off like, you know, three octaves in one song. It's like just stop already. <laughs> well, that's kind of the one of the pet peeves that I have is, I mean, I really appreciate having a group singing Christmas carols and things, because that's really a joyful thing to be doing. But there's always like one person or two people that for whatever reason, they, they can't carry a tune. Mm. And, and they think that because of the Christmas song, this is their chance to shine because they can't mess this up. Unfortunately, they still can't carry a tune and they're singing <laughs> really loud now to, oh, kind no. to, to kind of show their, their, their vocal stylings. And it doesn't always, um, and you don't want to be mean to somebody. You don't want to say, hey, hey, sure. keep it down. You just have to smile and say, <laughs> oh, you're really into this one. <laughs> oh, dear. I noticed when people were commenting about Christmas music that one of the things that does seem to irritate people is when it starts too early. And so, you know, people were saying, 
all right, you know, let's not have Christmas music start at Halloween. And uh, yeah, I can see. Oh yeah. That, that. That's, that's when yeah. it starts to happen now. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little crazy. The other thing I notice is that sometimes it depends, like I say, a little bit on the context, but also on the equipment. And so if it's, if it's too loud or too tinny. So one time I was in the post office and they were playing Christmas music on this little tiny, like it was coming out of this little tiny speaker in the lobby where we were standing in line. And the guy next to me said something about going postal, <laughs> you know, but yeah, to be funny. But then he said something, you know, kind of half serious, although I might go postal if I had to listen to Christmas music, you know, all day long on that on that little speaker. And it did, it sounded terrible. You know, it really, it sounded like the chipmunks, but it wasn't supposed to be the chipmunks. <laughs> yeah. Some of those little stereo, those little portable things or just little speakers just don't have the sound and they get worn out and they're just almost like they have a rip in it or something. And is they want to give you a little weird fuzz once in a while that just really is irritating. It's irritating. Yeah. I did make a Christmas list or a playlist, I should say, for people. So I titled it Christmas Music for People Who Hate Christmas Music. Because, you know, you make this point that there is good Christmas music out there. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's a new take on an old tune. But a lot of times, too, it's just a new song that's about Christmas or kind of about Christmas themes. And there are you know, I think interesting things that happen around Christmas, it's the end of the year. And so I always like things that make us think about reflecting on the past year, sometimes, you know, for better or for worse. But there, I do think there are, it's often a time when family gets together. Um, so, you know, there are all those themes that you can talk about going back home, so to speak, or having a new life that you didn't have before. So I think there's a lot of potential, right, for Christmas music, but there is a lot of it that's fairly, fairly formulaic. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the songs um, hold up, but, but there are quite a few that eat, for people, that, for families to get together and sing or something or listen to, it's kind of, it's, it's not everybody's taste. You want you want to have stuff that people, everyone's going to enjoy, I think, sometimes. and But with the families getting together, you want to, I know to me, it's like you want more traditional and, and things that everybody's going to know. Even somebody who really hasn't celebrated Christmas for for a long time is going to know the traditional stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you play something else that's not traditional, even there's some great stuff out there. Like John Prime had, um, I think it's mm -hmm. Christmas in Hawaii. And that that's kind of fun. And I mean, there's a lot of nice songs out there. But, this, but then again, I think with gatherings and with family and everything, I think the traditional kind of holds truer with that. Yeah, I was thinking... One of the ways that I find interesting Christmas music is to look at compilations, because a lot of times there's an artist who will put a lot of effort into one Christmas song. You know, they're not interested in doing a whole album, but they will take some effort with one song, you know, if they're contributing that to a particular compilation. And it's funny, too, other times it seems like some people are just kind of phoning it in, right? It was like, oh, I got asked to do this Christmas song. So here I'm going to dash off this kind of sloppy version of something and, you know, mail that in to them. But, but there are 
there there are some interesting compilations out there. Yeah, that's that's a good point because compilations are really one of the best ways to find new music, and that holds true with the Christmas stuff. It's just like anything else because you're going to hear somebody you hadn't heard before, and a lot of times you're going to go, "Wow, that was that was pretty um pretty amazing. I I really like that version, or I like that song." And it really, to me, that's one of the best. I have, I have all kinds of compilation mm-hmm. music, and it's really the best way to find new things and hear things that are really good that you never thought you'd, you'd never know about. Yeah, or sometimes people are doing something that's outside of their own genre, right? Because they're doing a Christmas song. So you kind of see them in a different light and sometimes see, you know, kind of their own history, right? What their own experience with with Christmas was. So that can be interesting. I've got a couple here. There's a series called Maybe This Christmas. So there's a Maybe This Christmas 2 and then Maybe This Christmas 3. Those are all pretty good. And then um, A Very Special Christmas, they've done now, I don't know, a bunch of those uh, that benefit the Special Olympics, but a lot, there are really interesting songs on those. And and I think those are mainly new, new recordings. It's not like taken from an old recording. I think it's, I think it's all pretty much new recordings Yeah. Of, of people that like, I think Tom Petty did one that was kind of fun on one of those compilations. So it's amazing what people can do when they, when they want to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a Natalie Merchant song on one of them singing, uh, children go where I send thee. That's really cool. And Cheryl Crow has a one called blue Christmas on there, just a couple, but there's a lot of different ones on those. And yeah, in general, they're, they're just interesting and high quality. Also the, the billboard collection of Christmas music is really good. Ah, mm-hmm. And that's where you can find some more of the traditional type ones. It's all the ones that were big hits for different years. Aha. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. And um, that's another, that's another fun one to put on because people are going to recognize every one of those songs. Right. Yeah. So one of my pet peeves about Christmas songs is that people insist on having children sing. And generally speaking, children cannot sing. So that's one of the things I particularly dislike is when we have like the children's chorus or the other thing people do bless their little hearts is that they have their families sing with them on their recording. And I'm sure it's a wonderful occasion for them to gather their kids around and sing a Christmas song. But yeah, I wish that they would not record that and not put it out commercially <laughs> and post that on us. Not, 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 not put them in the spotlight for the for the solo or something. Yeah. Yeah. Any pet peeves of yours for Christmas music? Well, I think the ones that are more avant-garde, I think that people people try to do something that's clever and it may be clever to three people that were in the room with them when they did it, but not really clever to anyone else because like a lot of things you have to be in on it to really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people I think will do stuff that's just not quite there. And I don't know, I, I, that's kind of a pet peeve. If we buy a, an album and there's like three or four good songs and the rest of them are kind of like, well, they just kind of had to do, had to do filler yeah. basically. And, and that, that gets a kind of old, that's where compilations are so much better because they can take the one good song or two good songs off that and put, throw it on some other compilation and you'll get the best of everything. And that, actually holds up better for the artist too, I think. I think so too. Yeah. So a lot of Christmas is about tradition and the music is no exception to that. And so you and I were talking about what happens when 
a very traditional song, like uh, Baby It's Cold Outside, uh, finds itself in a time when it's become politically incorrect. So accusations have been flying about Baby It's Cold Outside, that it's kind of a rapey song that he he's not uh, allowing her to leave. And so I listened to it again very carefully. And uh, I just have to say, for me personally, I can't help but roll my eyes a little bit about this. And first of all, it's a song. So we're not talking about something that has actually happened. And also, I guess, you know, when I listen to the lyrics, you know, it's open to interpretation and you can interpret it the way you want. But it does seem to me that kind of takes two to tango with this song. I mean, she could walk, she could stand up and walk out. I mean, yes. there's, yeah, there's nothing keeping her from leaving. He, he didn't drug her or something. So right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just a conversation. It's like, well, I'd like it if you stayed. Uh-huh. It, it's true. He is seducing her or she's seducing him. I mean, that is happening in that song, but welcome to real life. I mean, I have to say, this is what happens, right? Yeah. It, but these days, people are so worried about every, I mean, for, for a while, people were afraid to say Merry Christmas to people because yeah. you might offend them by saying Christmas as opposed to, oh, Happy Holidays. And even that's sometimes on the fence, it seems like. I think most people are adult enough that if you tell them Merry Christmas or do certain things that in a, in a song that's been around for 50 years, 50 plus years, that perspective changes. And even though you may not like it now, it's still a popular song that people love for many years. and. Yeah, it's it's really a question of taste, right? And I I always am worried when things like this happen that not just that the song is directly censored, but people refrain from recording it or frame from playing it. You know, there's sort of this subtle censorship that happens like, oh, I might offend someone, so I don't. And one of the things that I was noticing listening to the song is I mean, of course, I love duets. I think duets are really fun. And that, and also, I think that one is a really good duet. Right? Yeah, ban- the banter is real nice. And the melody yeah. is like the way they jump in on each other. It's, it's really a classic song. Yeah. And I do think that they're fairly equal in it, right? I mean, not one, yeah. there's not one who dominates the conversation, so to speak, on the other one. So, yeah. So, the other thing I was thinking about was sometimes songs, these traditional songs get turned around, right? Sort of not so much to become politically correct, but to become more relevant, right? And so one of the ones that's quite funny is the anti-queens doing I Saw Daddy Kissing Santa Claus, right? <laughs> of course, that was going to happen. But it's really charming. I mean, if you watch the video for it, it's really, it's quite funny. And, you know, I I. I sort of feel like, well, live and let live, right? Why yeah, can't we I, have both of those songs? I, I think that's great. I, I have no personally. I I think it can it can work for both both sides, and I don't think anything wrong with that. I mean, I think it's a really a nice a nice gesture to be, if it if they do it right, and it's not done in a in a like an offensive manner. It doesn't sound like this is. It sounds like it's really done in a nice t- touching way. So yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, it's it's really it's quite funny. And then, of course, um, there are others that I think are just are just timeless, right? I mean, I just can't imagine them ever losing some of their allure. And one of the ones I was thinking about was Chuck Berry's "Merry Christmas, Baby." Oh yeah, that that's one that you don't always think about because those don't get played as often for some reason on mainstream. I guess maybe it's too rocking, or they're looking for the 
more smaltier Christmas type stuff or but yeah it's it's really a joy that when that can, that one gets pulled out of somewhere yeah it's a great song really great really well done i mean it's just great it's just it's part of christmas right that we have yeah. songs like that that really are of high quality they stand up to the test of time they're still interesting yeah I, and that's one of the things that of course that's nice about christmas and nice about christmas music one of the other things i was thinking about was some of these older Christmas songs and how well constructed they are, right? Just what good, what a high quality song they were. And one of the ones that I just love is the Christmas song. And if you're like me, I always think of it as the chestnut song, not the Christmas right, song. Right. <laughs> so the opening lyrics for that one go, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose, yuletide carols being sung by a choir, and folks dressed up like Eskimos. It's a great lyric. Yeah, and, and that King Cole really, I mean, other people have sung it and they do a good job, but, but his voice fits that song so perfectly. And it, it's kind of funny. The song was written by a, a by Mel Torme and another person. Oh. So, so it's actually written by someone who actually sings a lot. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that Mel Torme's version anywhere near as good as Nat King Cole's. And it's been done and done and done. And I, I just think there are so many great versions of this song, but it's partly because of the the song. Yeah, right? it's it is crafted very nicely, very, very well. Mm -hmm. It's hard yeah. to mess it's hard to mess that one up unless you have right. no voice. Unless you're a child. <laughs> unless, unless you're a child. <laughs> yeah, a child singer singing too loudly. <laughs> Pipe down there, kiddo. <laughs> Uh, some of the other ones that I really like, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. I just really, oh I, yeah, I just love that song. Winter Wonderland, I love that one too. And then, what are you doing New Year's Eve? I really love that one too. You know, just the the melody and the lyric, and that's just they're just great songs, really good songs. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how some of these songs were written just for a holiday, where they, if they'd been rewritten in some form, they probably would have been big hits for that artist for six months, but they were smart enough to put it in a Christmas song and it ends up becoming timeless because it gets mm -hmm. played every year as opposed to one, not one hit wonder, but being put aside for to be rediscovered by, by people. But mm -hmm. Christmas songs, they get played every year, no matter where you are. So you're going to hear, hear it again at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a good point. If you can craft a good Christmas song, do it because yeah it'll keep coming back <laughs> yeah i mean i mean people want to put it toward their number their top 10 songs but a really good christmas song is going to hold up much much longer than a number one hit for three weeks or six weeks or whatever so i was going to ask you if christmas music can go from being kind of okay to being bad because it gets overplayed so much and then back to being good because you're just like Oh well, <laughs> if I can't if I can't fight him, join him. I, I give up. <laughs> I give up. It's oh, go ahead and play it and sing it. Whatever. I think everybody at some point goes through that phase of I've heard too much Christmas music, and it's, it's probably around. I'm guessing maybe between 21 and maybe 26 or something. But then when people start having kids and start having um, nephews and nieces and more mm -hmm. people around, the Christmas songs come back. And, ah. and I think for a while that you're going, oh, I'm, 
I, I don't want to hear these. And it, and it may be just a memory thing where they don't want to think about that they've gotten old and they don't have the Christmas the same way they used to. Mm-hmm. But then that kind of comes full circle and it kind of comes back to them again in different ways. And I think so does the music and they start to enjoy it again. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like we go through our teenage years about Christmas music, right? After we'd moved to this neighborhood, there it, we have a very musical family, a really big family that lives near us, and they like to do caroling. And so we would join them. They would invite people to come and carol with them, and we would rock around the neighborhood and carol. And there were a lot of songs then that they sang, traditional Christmas carols, that I wasn't that enthusiastic about, but then being that overly loud person. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I did really enjoy the caroling. And, and of course, I mean, honestly, we would have broken any equipment if you'd tried to record us. It was that bad, but it was fun to sing in a group. And so some of those songs that I was kind of tired of, or hadn't really appreciated very much, uh, were much more enjoyable singing in a group. And, and so I could see where they kind of went from being meh, or even I'm so sick of this song to it's okay. It's okay to sing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as much about the song at that point. It is about the, the spirit, the spirit that you're all happy by being together and, and having fun doing it. It's the whole feeling I think is what's important there. I mean, you can be really good singers, you can be really bad singers, but I think everyone's going to have the same feeling in the heart when they when they're when they're singing to people or with people. Yeah, um, we actually took my uh, youngest son caroling when he was just nine days old. And of course, <laughs> everybody always talks about that, how we had this little tiny, tiny baby with us when we were going caroling. But one of the songs that's kind of like that for me is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which yeah, you know, I think in your teenage years, it's like, oh, my God, this song. But then, I don't know, I just grew fond of it again over time. It's kind of fun to sing. It's a silly image. I don't know. Kids tend to, take, kids tend to like it. Yeah, when, when kids are around, it's, it's fun because you see them really light up when they hear, hear that song, even though they've heard it lots of I mean, until they're about 10 or 11, maybe, I think they're always going to enjoy it unless they're told not to, or for some reason. Yeah. And it's one they can sing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. That makes a difference too. Cause some of those Christmas carols are pretty hard and they have like 25 verses. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are there any Christmas songs that you would be happy never to hear again? Uh, I don't know. Most of my, I can take once in a while. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm always willing to hear something new and I can either put it in one side of my brain or the other. One one is like, I really enjoy this. The other one is, well, I've heard that now. (laughs) (laughs) I've endured that. So I I can't say there's any one song that offhand, I I mean, unless it's really avant-garde. I mean, if you got somebody doing some really weird, like tonal type Christmas song that this really experiment. Like if, if Sun Ra was doing like a Christmas album, it'd probably be kind of avant-garde and it'd be really good for a lot of people. But unfortunately, I don't think it would have that Christmas spirit that you want to hear for Christmas songs. Yeah. One that I got really sick of was Little Drummer Boy. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. That one, that one does tend to go on. Yeah. It goes on and it's done too frequently the same way, but I have to say I did uh, hear a version of it. I always get tired of the rumpa pum pum. Oh gosh. Just like, (laughs) but I, like I say, I did hear this version of it and I think they call it something like swinging, swinging Hmm. little drummer boy. It's good. And it's like, okay, there's a, you can save this, even this terrible song, you can save it. Yeah. I'll come across it here. Who, who did that, but it's, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. There, there, there are songs that people have been able to reinvent. I mean, right. E- even um, when Bing Crosby and David Bowie sang the duet together, that was kind of a, a surprising thing that people really got to. I think it was novelty at first, but mm-hmm. I think it kind of, kind of became part of the traditional Christmas music. You know, I'm always amazed at how we just keep getting new and good ones. Sometimes again, really exceptionally well-written I think of Dolly Parton's Hard Candy Christmas. It's just a great song. And um, they just keep coming. Uh, so there were several that I saw today. These are a little bit you know, more on the funny side, but Kelly Clarkson has one, Christmas Isn't Canceled, Just You. <laughs> which is which is well done it, it's well written you know it's it's funny she executes it of course being kelly clarkson she executes it extremely well and then there was one that was really funny i'd never heard of this person before carly ray jepson yeah I've, I've heard of that person um she did a song called it's not christmas till somebody cries <laughs> it's really good it's really good it's very clever and yeah, so you know they just keep coming these Christmas songs. There's some people that can really come up with a good good line, for, but it's to me it's more um lyrical now when it comes to that kind of the newer songs. It's more about the lyrics than it is about the music, because they don't want to waste their their good melody on something. Sometimes I think, and in the past, the whole thing was put together to be a big package. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. The the number the most performed song in 1915 according to ASCAP. Was Santa Claus is coming to town? Oh yeah, the most performed song. So I guess that must mean whether it's in public or on recordings or whatever. But that's mm-hmm. the one that people did the most, and mm-hmm. and I, I can see that. That's a. It's not so traditional that people get tired of it, but yet it's it is enough that people don't mind hearing it again. Yeah, it's it's a fun song. It's a fun song to sing. And then it's have yourself a merry little Christmas. Oh, that's Wonderland and let us know. And then the Christmas song is actually fifth, but that's a harder song for some people to do. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to do a comparison to the to Nat. It's hard to want to even perform that one, I would think, unless you really can pull something out on that one. Yeah, some of those I'm thinking about Santa Claus is coming to town. It's just a fun, lighthearted cool song right with a lot of anticipation in it what's the one that he knows is if you've been naughty is that that one i think i think it is yeah yeah that one yeah so that's very funny he knows you know the whole idea of surveilling you while you're sleeping and (laughs) yeah it's got some funny funny ideas in it i think for our generation what really helped a lot for um christmas music was the animated christmas shows Rankin and Bass and all the different things that the Rudolph and because those kind of came out during our childhood years or mine anyway. And um, 
people still want to watch it. They want to watch it with their kids or grandkids. It's like there's certain Christmas uh, songs from those shows that were the Grinch. One of my favorite ones is the, the Peanuts Christmas. That soundtrack is wonderful by Vince uh, Gambaldi, I think I believe it is. And it's just magical. It's one you can put on the, on the, on the, on the stereo and you can, you kind of go back into a, 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 a mindset, a theme in your own head of it. Yeah. Like uh, Jeff was talking about in our episode about vinyl, about the music being such a time machine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's part of this Christmas music too, right? Is that not for me, but (laughs) 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 although the older I get, then uh, yeah, then those early years don't matter so much. I still have a tradition for Christmas music, even though it doesn't go back to my childhood. That that must have been very, um, very unique to not have the Christmas music around. Well, I've made up for it now, as I told you. So my music is all digitized. And so I can see at a glance how much music I have. And I have something like 40 hours of Christmas music or something like that uh, crazy. But one of the things I noticed, which we were kind of talking about in that vinyl episode is I have things in that digital collection that I don't know where it came from, right? Because, and it's true when you have a digital song, there were some things, for example, that even when I Google them, nothing comes up. So I'm not quite sure where I got that music. Um, and some of it's kind of interesting, right? Sort of obscure and weird. And But that is a downside of having a digital collection is you can't, you don't have the tactical reminders that you might have if you had an LP or even a CD case. So I was thinking about that when, you know, because we'd brought that up during the vinyl episode. Yeah, it's so wonderful to be able to flip through records or see even CDs or something and see the, the art in the cover and it, and it brings you back. You go, oh, that's that's where that song came from. It probably came from a com- compilation of some sort, but it's hard to say what compilation it would have been from. Exactly. Yeah. No. So on one hand, I can see exactly how many hours of Christmas music I have. On the other hand, I'm not quite sure where it all came from. (laughs) So is there any uh, Christmas music that you think people don't know about that they should? I I don't know. I I mean, I think the compilations like we talked about are there's like one called Acoustic Christmas, which has people like T-Bone Burnett mm -hmm. and different people doing acoustic versions of Christmas songs. And that's really sweet. I, I don't know if I have anything I can suggest except i was surprised i think it was last year or the year before eric clapton did a christmas album mm-hmm. and that was actually pretty good mm-hmm. yeah he did some nice nice stuff on it it was kind of a mellower type sound for me he, he sings and he he's not like screaming the guitar or, or anything so mm-hmm. which wouldn't really fit in too well with the christmas but he he did a nice nice christmas record uh, i don't think it got much attention because people don't want to hear eric clapton do christmas music probably if he puts on a record, they want to hear him do something that's that they're they're used to. But I think it was really brave to do a, a Christmas record for him. Yeah, it was there are a lot of interesting covers. Uh, so there's that swinging drummer boy that I liked a lot. Uh, Jack Johnson has a version of Rudolph that is really sweet. Uh, Melon Camp did one of uh, Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Alisa Loeb did a Jingle Bells, which is really good. And then, of course, Sarah McLaughlin does all kinds of things, but her song for A Winter's Night is also exceptional. So, you know, you and I've talked about covers a lot. 
this really is a chance for people to show, you know, kind of strut their stuff with a cover. And so that's one of the things I like about Christmas music is seeing people do covers of traditional songs and do something new with them. I just think that's really cool. Well, they almost have to, because I mean, there's only so many Christmas songs to pick from if you want to do a Christmas record. And there aren't that many people writing Christmas songs that are decent to give you, or, or you can write yourself that you can do. So you pretty much have to do a three quarters of the record has to be covers pretty much. Mm-hmm. So they have to really find a way to make, make it them, make it special. And, and some people can really pull it off really nicely. Mm-hmm. And Sarah McLaughlin, like you say, has a, her voice really can do almost anything like, like that. Sean Colvin does some good Christmas stuff. Yeah. Her album of Christmas stuff is really kind of holiday lullabies and holidays or right, something right. like that. But yeah, I like her. She's got some nice songs on there too. And that was an interesting record because she didn't use a lot of filler, right? She she chose to kind of combine some things so that she didn't have a lot of just Christmas filler, which right. It wasn't I, it wasn't stuff that you didn't want to listen to. You you mm-hmm. enjoyed most of what you heard. Mm-hmm. And, and and she actually did a cover of the Charlie Brown song "Christmas Time Is Here" on that. So which is kind of fun. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> which which most people don't cover that song. You, you uh-huh. hear it, once in a while you'll hear it, but it's a good one. Yeah, that's neat. And then of course, I do think Christmas time is a great time for duets. And oh yeah. So there were several that I noticed while I was researching for this episode. I'd never heard of either of these people, Carla Williams and Billy Dean. Mm. And they do a really nice song called Merry Christmas, Darling. And it, it's just charming. They both sing really well. It's it's just a nice song. And then uh, Sean Mendez and Camila uh, Cabello do a version of the Christmas song. Also excellent. These, these Yeah, I think sing- I heard that one. Yeah. Yeah. These singers are quite young. Um, and it's just lovely. It's just a lovely video and a great rendition of that song. Another one I ran across, which I thought was also great, was Elton John and Ed uh, Sheeran doing Merry Christmas. Oh, that, was, that must be a pretty new one. Maybe 20 or 21. Yeah, but really nice and good video also. I've heard some Elton John do some other Christmas songs where I did feel like he was... Yeah, not that into it. But this one, he seemed to really be enjoying and was, uh, yeah, more of a participant. So that was good. Oh, and then another one that I ran across was Megan Trainer, whom I just adore, uh, doing a song called Holidays with Earth, Wind, and Fire. Wow. Yeah, it was really neat. It's It was, yeah, great, uh, a great song. Yeah, that's, that's kind of fun that they can, that she pulled somebody from the past to kind of bring it multi multi-era type thing i mean people want to hear what earth wind and fire is doing and mm-hmm. and they can hear her so she that's a really smart job on her part to, to do that and actually their earth wind and fire is really a great a great band too yeah that is that one's worth checking out for sure and then how about any overall uh ad albums did you have any recommendations for people like just best best christmas albums yeah i still think that um that Charlie Brown one is to, to me my number one, but there are some other fun ones. The some of the surf ones by the Beach Boys. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty cool. There's one that's not really that. It's kind of fun and kind of clever, but the the Beatles Christmas stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, so, some of those things are interesting, and some of them are just kind of like they're just fooling around, having fun, and 
wanted to send something out to their fans. But um, they 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 did a pretty good um job on a few of those songs, and that just came out a few years back on on vinyl for people. They they re released that stuff. Ah, uh, and also um, REM used to do a, a fan club Christmas forty five every year. Oh wow, I didn't know that. And um, they didn't always do Christmas songs, but but they um would always do something really special as a gift. And I was I was a, a member for a long time, and I got four or five of their Christmas singles and. Um, they're kind of they're, it's kind of fun that people are doing even even if it's not a Christmas song they're doing something special for mm-hmm. the holidays for mm-hmm. for people uh, like they do like um, Chris Isaac uh, w- Wicked Game yeah and Chris Isaac actually has a Christmas yeah, album that I that I like quite a bit yeah you kind of have to be a Chris Isaac fan probably to like it which which I am but it's hard not to like Chris Isaac he he has that voice he's like he's like a modern day Elvis really in a way. He's so much fun. Have you ever seen him in concert? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's so much fun. Yeah. He's not what you might expect. He's not particularly cool during during his concerts. He's really a showman, right? And, it, and he doesn't mind making fun of himself. He'll no, make not jokes, at all. No, make, make he's having a blast. Yeah. He's yes. just like, if he can make you laugh and have a good time, uh-huh. he doesn't care what he, but if he looks like he's being a, a dummy or something, he just goes along with it. He wants to make it as fun as he can. Yeah, he was doing Christmas shows for a while. I think the last two times I saw him were for Christmas shows, now that I think about it. Yeah, I think for a while he was touring the Christmas a couple times. Well, a couple ones that I wrote down. So for a traditional Christmas album, I just immediately thought of Ella Fitzgerald. You know, they're, those are very traditional songs sung in a very traditional way, but she's such a genius that yeah, I could Yeah, I had to include her. One of the kind of romantic uh, Christmas albums that I really love is Leanne Womack's A Season for Romance. I think that's a really uh, excellent album. Very well done. You know, you know, I was just looking at some a Christmas list here, and you mentioned that Merry Christmas, Darling, a uh-huh. minutes ago, written by Richard Carpenter. Oh, really? Okay. So I didn't a, recognize the song, and but I, it's I a good Carpen- song. Carpenter is released as a single back in 74 and 77. Oh, wow. So, I mean, they had, he, he wrote some, the Carpenters had really great songs. They're good songwriters too, but he did a pretty good job when he wrote songs too. Yeah. It's a, it's a well-written song. You can tell right away. And I, yeah, it's a, just a great duet between these two. Yeah. Who, I, like I said, I'd never heard of either of those artists, yeah. but I thought it was really well done. And then a couple others I had here um, for jazz, uh, Four Plays Snowbound is a nice album. And then Boney James did an instrumental, uh, sax, he's a sax player, instrumental. I, I, yeah, I know Christmas Boney James. Music. Yeah, it's very good. It's really fun. He does just interesting things with those traditional songs. And then, of course, Sarah McLaughlin uh, with hers. Uh, another one, you know, again, you see this with these compilations is uh, Celtic Christmas that has a really cool song on it by Luca Bloom. But, you know, sometimes you get the, the sort of thematic um, compilation Christmas album that can have some interesting things on it. So there's uh, just yeah a lot of music on there that you wouldn't necessarily have heard of but it's quite good well the boxing day which is a, a, kind of the term for christmas over in england i believe is they kind of um have a little little bit of a variation of the christmas song and there's there's some fun stuff with that with that too but you have to really search a little bit harder to find it because it's not as well played here in the u.s 
Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And then a few more, again, these originals uh, that are, you know, maybe like you say, they won't endure, but they're sure fun for now. So just this year, Amanda Shire has one out uh, titled, I want you gone for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Leota Lewis has this super fun song called One More Sleep, uh, which is worth checking out. And then uh, Steve Warner has one called Feels Like Christmas Time. Also great. So yeah, I ran across some ones that are just brand new out this year that are also really, uh, really fun, worth checking out. And I was going to ask you, so I did run across, uh, yeah, not to bash this, but I did run across what I thought was kind of a terrible Christmas song sung by Steve Perry. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was going to ask you if you thought, like, you know, if you could kind of ruin your reputation by doing a terrible Christmas song. If if it's not a good song, it's not going to get played that often. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that that protects your reputation there. <laughs> right, nobody will play it. Yes, I didn't last till the end. That was yeah. for sure. <laughs> you walked out. You walked out on that one. <laughs> I walked out on that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is funny because sometimes you do get artists that you wouldn't think would be into Christmas, right? But then they actually do a you know pretty nice rendition, and you're reminded, well, they are a professional musician after all, right? And so they can probably carry off a Christmas song. Though it is interesting, like I say, sometimes to see people that you wouldn't expect to be interested in Christmas music to then do, you know, kind of an interesting version. So one of them um, that I ran across was Rilo Keeley's version, Christmas Cake. And it's a pretty interesting song, right? So they're sort of a punk uh, punk girl band, but the, yeah, they've done this this cool uh, this cool song called Christmas Cake. So you just never know what they're going to come out with, whether no, or not there's well, Steve Perry and, or whoever. They're, they're, and Michael Kelly is a pretty um, amazing group in itself. I mean, they mm-hmm. have done a lot of great stuff, and they're they like to try new things, and they're very progressive. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they did their Christmas song too. Uh, so one last thing I'll mention because it showed up on social media was, let's see if I can get this straight without giving too much away. So it's an acapella version of God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, but it's a version that appeals to grammarians or to punctuation oh. People, you, you sent me the link. I, I, I sent that, you yeah. the link for it. Yeah, <laughs> I just, yeah, that was such a hoot. I played it. We had some people over uh, a couple nights ago, and so I played it for them. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But the the question of the song is, where does the comma go in "God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen"? And then the lyrics are exploring possible placement of the comma. And what the implications of placing the comma there would be. But so for, yeah, so for those of you who are uh, into commas or uh, into language, yeah, you'll enjoy that song very much. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of like a play on the old saying, like, let's have grandma for dinner. And uh, right. where, where do you want the comma to be there? And it's, just, it's very important you put it in the right spot. Yeah, right. Let's <laughs> eat. Let's eat grandma or let's eat grandma. Yeah. (laughs) And then of course the tagline is commas save lives (laughs) where people are into commas. (laughs) Oh yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of fun that can be had there, but it was, it was very clever. It was really well done. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, Christmas is just that genre that won't stop giving. It just goes on and on. And, and it's interesting with the different uh, genres that with with the popular music, they have their kind of their theme of Christmas. But when you look at the country, the country Christmas stuff, it's a whole different world with the country Christmas. I mean, they do some traditional, but they also do some some songs that sometimes very depressing. You know, why why isn't Daddy coming home for Christmas or mm-hmm. all that kind of thing? So it's a, it's kind of interesting how different people, how different genres kind of want to play Christmas. I once. Uh, maybe it was in a song, actually, heard a country artist talk about how they are, wi- how country songwriters are willing to talk about things in songs that you wouldn't otherwise be willing to talk about, like cancer or domestic violence or, oh, yeah. you know, they, they often do take on some pretty sobering topics. I guess sometimes I would argue that that other musical types do also but maybe not quite as much as country music. And it is interesting, as you say, how very often, well, I think country artists tend to sing Christmas songs a lot, maybe because of the whole traditional family, you know, Christmas. Uh, But then also, you know, as we talked about earlier in the episode, they're willing to talk about that Christmas is not a happy time for a lot of people and, you know, good for them, right. To, to go ahead and address that in their song. I think that's, that's really respectful in a way. No, I, and, and a that. lot of it is, a lot of it's really good. And sometimes it's a little, a little bit tongue in cheek, but usually it's, it's pretty, um, pretty heartfelt type music. It's kind of, kind of brings you a different, a little bit of sadness listening to the song, but we all need some sadness once in a while too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need to look at both sides of things. Yep, definitely. Yeah. There's definitely a dark side to Christmas and, um, since we'll be releasing this on Christmas Eve, I don't want to bring people too down, but no, no, but, but I, I think it's, you know, we have to be aware. We have to be sensitive to Christmas and new year's, not necessarily being, a you know, just blindingly joyous time for people. So yeah. we, need to, it's, we it's just not, need to be a little cautious. It's not the same for everybody. And yeah, yeah. Some people would have a, are going to have a really hard time. I mean, a lot of people are going to have a really hard time this Christmas in particular because the world has changed quite a bit. Last Christmas, too, last Christmas is the same. It was probably maybe even worse, but I think it's still hard for a lot of people to get together and have money to do things with their with their kids. And yeah, I'm hoping that things overall Christmases are getting better and better. Hopefully, from now on. But well, all we can do is hope. Yeah, I hope so too. That's always the joy of a new year is that you hope that uh, things will get better. But yeah, people have faced a lot of loss over the last two years. A lot of people are celebrating Christmas without people that they hoped would still be here. So so yeah, um, our best wishes go out to you celebrating Christmas, whether it's happy or not so happy. And and, and if you lost somebody, you know, find a way to include them in your celebration. I mean, I think it's, if you lost somebody that made a really good potato salad, make their potato salad and celebrate it on, do, do something special that's good for them and you can do it for yourself and everyone all around you. Cause I can tell you right now, if you can do something like that, you'll, everyone's going to appreciate it. It'll be something that people will remember from, you may, you may end up making that same thing for the next 10, 20 years, but 
that's okay. <laughs> but carry on tradition for people. Yes. I just realized that bill that you lost your mother this year and I lost my father this year. So yeah, we, it's interesting. We, uh, we share that loss yeah. uh, this Christmas as well. But yeah, that's the thing about Christmas is it's a lot of it's about tradition and legacy and memories. And so, yeah, I hope everyone has a safe and lovely Christmas and a happy new year. Happy new year. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. <laughs> right. We'll cover all the bases. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out the show notes for additional information about this episode. And give us a like or a thumbs up on Podomatic or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd also love to have your support on Patreon. And get in touch. We'd love to hear from you through the internet or Twitter or whatever means works for you. And finally, thanks to Caffeine Creek for the theme music.